Too often, Black women are a mere afterthought in conversations around wellness, but not in this space. On this podcast, the dialogue is always centered around women like you. Welcome to the podcast, but more importantly, welcome to the tribe. Be well, sis. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Be Well Sis podcast. I am your host, Cassandra Dunbar. How are y'all doing? I always ask, and I will always ask, how are you doing? As usual, I hope that you're well, and I really hope that 2020 has been easing its chokeholds on you, on us, I should say. Um, If I told you that it was for me, I'd be lying, <laughs> but it is what it is. I've been going through it, but I'm still here, right? Um, I know for me, it's important to get physically active to help with my mental and emotional space. So I've been intentionally trying to incorporate more movement into my life. Am I running marathons yet? No. Am I back to lifting weights? No, but I'm taking baby steps. So lately I've been taking my little my little walks. I've been stretching more. I've been doing my little squats at home. I mean... You know, I'm up to like five squats a day now, you know, pat myself on the back. (laughs) A friend of mine told me that it's so important to celebrate my small wins because when I celebrate the small stuff, I can celebrate the big stuff too. And she's so, so right. So I encourage you to do the same thing. So for example, if you ate one meal of, you know, whole foods that day, or if you had adequate amount of water for the day, or if you went for a walk or you woke up and stretched, please celebrate that. Pat yourself on the back. It's so important for us to get into the habit of cheering for ourselves. Your internal voice is so, so important and so, so powerful. Um, A lot of the decisions that we make, whether they're conscious or unconscious are led by that internal voice. So let's cheer ourselves on. It's great to get that external, you know, boost in that cheer, but sometimes you're not going to get that, but you should get it from yourself, right? So today's episode really hits home for me because we're discussing perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. I'm going to be really frank. I suffered from postpartum anxiety with my firstborn and a combination of postpartum anxiety and depression with my second. So what's postpartum anxiety? Well, that is a couple of things. So some symptoms might look like this. Um, Constant fears that you'll inadvertently do something that would harm your baby, or constant fears that your child will die of SIDS, or constant fears that you just aren't enough as a mother, or pervasive thoughts that you aren't a good mom despite your very best efforts, or the inability to sit still or rest despite being absolutely exhausted. That last one was so real for me. I would be up just staring at this baby sleep, knowing that I am tired and that he'd be up in another two hours and I probably should close my eyes. But I was just so scared that something bad would happen to him that I was just stare at him sleep. So I'd be pretty much days um, without any real rest. So what are some symptoms of postpartum depression? So extreme mood swings, excessive sadness, feeling overwhelmed, excessive crying, um, reduced concentration, changes in your appetite. So either you're eating way more than usual or you're eating way less than usual. A change in your sleeping pattern. So baby might be up and need mama to help, but you are just sleeping through diaper changes and feedings and everything. Not because you're necessarily just tired, but it's a little bit more than tired. 
Um, you might be having difficulty bonding with the baby, feelings of guilt, worthlessness, or inadequacy. And then the most severe would be recurrent thoughts of death and or suicide. So these are all real. A woman may not experience every single one of these things, but she might experience one or two of them to the point where it really impacts her life, right? So I'm grateful that um, I had an idea of what to look for going into the postpartum or the peripartum period, perinatal period, um, because I had a medical background and because I was surrounded by people who loved me and also could recognize the signs too. So I was really able to get help quickly and bounce back. So before we go any further, I'll just say this. If any of these symptoms sound familiar, remind you of yourself at all, just please tell yourself that you're doing your best, that you love your child, that you aren't defective, and that you're experiencing something that is so common and that there is a solution for you. You don't have to suffer alone or in silence. You're doing all right, mama. Okay, so... Feeling guilty or feeling bad about yourself is not going to help. I want you to celebrate the things that you have done today. Pat yourself on the back. Cheer yourself on for what you've you've done. You changed a diaper? Awesome. You've um, fed the baby? Awesome. You took a shower. You took a shower. You bathed yourself today? Awesome. All these little things, they're not little things. They're actually big things when you're in the thick of things. So... If you're listening to today's episode in real time, it is extra special to me for a couple of reasons, not only because I went through my own battles, but firstly, because it is Black Maternal Mental Health Week. So one in seven women suffer from perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, but Black women suffer at even higher rates and are less likely to be treated. One in seven of all women And we are suffering at even higher rates and are less likely to be treated. So for that reason alone, I think this conversation is critical for us to have in our communities. And this is regardless of if you have just had a baby, if you are expecting, if you are trying to conceive. Because the chances are that we all have a friend, a sister, or a colleague who is experiencing this. So the next reason I am super excited about this conversation is because I was actually introduced to this organization by my doula. So she recognized that I could use some additional help and suggested that I go to the Raising Resilience Postnatal Support Group. So they're based here in Charlotte and they cater to predominantly black and brown women and offer their services for low to no cost. So finding a support group with women that look like you and likely share similar experiences is so, so important, at least for me. My birth center actually offered a complimentary postpartum mommy group, and I went once and I was like, nah, this ain't for me. Those women were probably lovely, but they shared nothing in common with me. So there was no way that I could really open up and be vulnerable and share what's on my heart and on my mind. So needless to say, when my doulas let me know that there was a group for women of color led by a professional women of color, I was so, so hype. So today we're talking to the directors of the Raising Resilience organization. So they are a nonprofit organization here in Charlotte. 
Tiffany Thompson and Whitney Cobble are licensed professional counselors certified in trauma-focused cognitive behavior therapy and are working to obtain certification in maternal mental health. Their clinical experience includes providing services to women, children, and adolescents who struggle with daily stressors, traumatic events, and additional mental health diagnoses. Listen, these women are warm, they're passionate, they're obviously knowledgeable, and they truly care about the underserved women in our community. Let's get into the convo. Oh, but before we do that, let's mention that Raising Resilience provides very low to no cost postpartum support for our sisters. So please visit the link in my show notes and make a donation. Therapy and mental health services are super pricey. We know that, especially if you don't have um, coverage. Yeah, it's expensive and they provide that for free. So I'm, I don't like to beg, but I'm begging (laughs) y'all. Please make a donation to help them continue to help us. Um, it doesn't have to be much. If you were going to grab a coffee or grab pizza for dinner tonight, you know, go ahead and donate that to their organization. Again, the link is in the show notes. Um, yeah. So let's get into the convo. Be well, sis. Thank you so much for joining guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you. (laughs) So when I speak to, um, black therapists, I always want to know, what led you to this field? <laughs> Go ahead, Whit. <laughs> so I I will be honest, I actually like stumbled upon this. Um, I was, uh, I got my bachelor's in elementary education. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I worked in a tidy one school in Greenville, North Carolina. And the school that I worked in was like dead center of, um, some like low income housing, the projects and the, where the kids lived, like kind of the, the school was in the center and the neighborhood was like surrounding. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was teaching fifth grade and I, and I was like, these kids, while I adore them, they are not, you know, invested in school because this is not their number one priority. Their number one priority is surviving. And so if they're having trouble surviving or wondering where their next meal is going to come from, then I can't expect them to pay attention to my classroom learning about whatever this is that isn't relevant. So I was like, God, I want to do something else to like help these kids on a different level. So I wanted to do like some type of community support, like have a community kind of like a youth center. And so I'm like, well, what do I got to do to do that? And so Google led me to A&T. At the time, it was called Community Mental Health, which was very misleading Mm -hmm. because when I got there, that's not what it was at all. It was clinical mental health. And we were talking about diagnoses and we were talking about therapy. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) And so then I just went with it. Nice. <laughs> oh. um, so for me, um, I'll say so. I guess my journey started just getting into mental health. Um, I had a family member that I was very close with that suffered from like mental health things and not really knowing like what was going on. And my mom, like trying her best ability to explain to me and me just kind of being really close to this person. And going back as a child, not really being able to process, like, what's going on. And I remember um, this family member tried to, like, commit suicide. And I just remember my mom, like, trying to explain, but 
she just didn't have the words. So you don't really know how to explain to kids like Mm -hmm. someone doesn't want to be here, but they still love and care about you. Mm -hmm. So I guess just battling that as a child, like seeing someone that you're close to battle mental health. And so in college, that's when I really got I wanted to be like a clinical psychologist. Like I just wanted to do testing all day and like research and stuff. But then I was like, no, that's not for me because I feel like it's not going to be like engaging with the people. And Obama had just got elected. So I was like, I'm about to be out here in the streets (laughs) and help my people. So then I was like, no, that ain't my track. So then I was like, um, well, I want to be a therapist, but I was like, I want to have like my own niche to it because I didn't know any black therapists. I had never seen any like there really wasn't a career you saw like them boasting black Mm-hmm. men and women um and so when I really got to North Carolina A&T that really pushed like like Tiffany said it opened my eyes to all the dynamics of clinical mental health and what that looks like um so that was very helpful like I met a lot of great people there I met Tiffany um and just really getting into my craft of what I wanted to do and I guess how we got into maternal mental health um we took a great training in Chicago and it really opened my eyes, even as a therapist, to what postpartum depression is. And it's mm-hmm. not just postpartum depression, but it looks has so many different faces. Mm-hmm. So I feel like as a therapist, like I had been blind to all of these different things. And I felt like once we took that training, I was more efficient in helping and also seeing where is disparities for women that look like us. Yeah. Like I and to me and Tiffany got in this, I couldn't tell you where to find a black therapist to help with maternal. I, I wouldn't have known where to turn. So I guess getting into it and really understanding how predominant it is and how mm-hmm. often it's occurring for women that look like us. I guess that's really like when I was like, this is what we want to do. Like, I see where this is our space to really like make change. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to, to speak on what Winnie was saying, I didn't until we went because so at first we were like okay our niche is going to be like working with uh pregnant teens Mm -hmm. because that's what we saw a lot in our agency pregnant displaced teens um who were on medicaid didn't have a place to go parents kicked them out um needed some support so that's where we we were going with this so then when we stumbled across this training that uh, postpartum international support was hosting we were like oh this is good you know this is about perinatal mood and anxiety disorders didn't know what that really was <laughs> but it sounds like it pertains to pregnant women so let's go and it was mind-blowing like Whitney said like it was I'm like wait so you mean to tell me in my whole 29 years of living nobody talks about this like mm-hmm. I didn't even know that it was its own thing mm-hmm. and it, it needs to be like it needs to be more than a thing like this it should be regular and normal conversations, daily conversations that we talk about from preconception when mm-hmm. when we're just thinking about having children. Um, so yeah, like Whitney was saying, it was just the amount of information. And then when you get deeper into the disparities that Black women experience, because uh, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders are the number one complication in childbirth. Mm-hmm. And so then when we get to what those disparities look like within Black women and Hispanic women, it's like, Hey, sis, enjoying the episode? If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please go ahead and give us a five-star rating along with a glowing review. And if you're not listening on Apple Podcasts, please take a screenshot of your screen while you're listening and share on your social media. Also, tag BeWellSis underscore podcast and two of your friends who you think will enjoy the show. I mean, they'll enjoy it. So go ahead, 
tag them. <laughs> now let's get back to it. Uh, are y'all crazy? Like <laughs> these women need help. Like yeah. where, where, how, how are these disparities? How do they come about? You know, and then what do we do to fix it? Because this is not okay at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys touched on so many things just now. So one thing <laughs> that I, one thing is I find that when I speak to a therapist, therapists are my favorite people because when I ask your backstory, it's never like motivated by anything external besides helping, like genuinely wanting to help other people. And I just love that about therapists that like you guys are are just so necessary and especially black women because like to your point you guys are few and far between now it's becoming a little bit more popular now you can actually find somebody in your city especially if you live in a big city you can find somebody mm-hmm. but some years ago it was tough and my first therapy experience was with somebody who was not black and it's just the layers of trying to get comfortable with somebody if there's that that barrier, that cultural barrier, and just not be able to really be vulnerable, like you're not going to get the real help that you need, especially if they're not culturally competent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you also mentioned um, the many faces of postpartum depression and mood disorders. Um, can you touch on that a little bit? Like how does it look outside of like the sadness that we stereotypically think about? What else would you mention? Um I would say initially, I think it's some of the myths about postpartum depression. Like when you think about it, people think it's this big, scary thing that you're going to hurt your kids and you're going to fling them out somewhere in a lake. And I just like I feel like that discourages women from getting help, too, because I remember being younger and just thinking it was this something, this big, scary thing that came after you had a baby and you harm your kids. Like Mm -hmm. that's all the media puts out there for you to know. Um, and so when me and Tiffany took the training, we found out about postpartum depression and the difference between baby blues, which that's within within that six week period. It lasts for two weeks immediately after birth. Mm -hmm. Um, and then postpartum depression can show up anywhere from after those six weeks up until a year. So you can be fine. And then nine months later, just a wave of sadness, depression, fatigue, irritability can show up. Um, is another big thing. We have postpartum anxiety. Um, Tiffany can talk a little bit more and go into depth about that. Um, postpartum rage is another thing. Postpartum psychosis, where it can be a little bit more severe, where you're maybe having very intrusive thoughts of harming yourself or harming your baby. Um, you could have, Tiff, what's some other ones? Uh, we got bipolar, postpartum bipolar one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, OCD. Yes. So, so okay. Depression, anxiety, uh, PTSD, OCD, bipolar one and two, psychosis. Um, I think, I think those are like the major mm-hmm. ones that fall under the umbrella. Um, but when I, one thing that I do like to talk to or to mention that's very important when I talk to women about um, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders is that it's not called postpartum. Mm-hmm. postpartum is a period it's a period after birth there is prenatal which is the period prior to your giving birth and then postpartum is the period after childbirth so everybody goes through this postpartum period after they have a child 
the correct di- terms for the diagnosis and the, the mental health challenges that women are experiencing are called perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, which means that this can occur during pregnancy yeah. and then after childbirth. Um, and so there are some risk factors to those that we also like to teach our women um, that that makes you more likely to experience these perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And it's if you have struggled with any of these diagnoses prior to becoming pregnant, you know, that make that increases the likelihood that you're going to experience some of these same symptoms. You've already experiencing them. There's a hormonal shift. Life is changing. Like life as you know it is changing. So it's only right that you and I mean when you think about it, it's, it makes sense that women have these experiences because this is such a big transition. You, mm-hmm. you go into the hospital with just you in this belly. And then when you go home, it's like, okay, so now you have this whole person that you don't know, but you better make sure it lives. Sure. Like, Whoa, what? Yeah. <laughs> like I'm barely making sure I live. Right. I got to make sure somebody else lives too. So, um, so those are some things that we like to tell them, including environmental stressors. You know, if you ha- already have interpersonal relationships with your family, with your partners, um, unemployment, or if your job is already stressful, um, if you have other health complications, if you have multiple children, we know that that increases your stress levels, which makes it more likely that you're experiencing these. So I think what Winnie and I try to do is to give give the give our moms all the information that they can take um so that they can be prepared because we want we don't we want you to be prepared we don't want you to get home and two weeks after your experience in baby blues you're like this is not going away like mm-hmm. we, that's the point where we want you to seek help and you if we want you to talk to your OBGYN if you already have a therapist that you've been seeing prior to then that's the time to reach out to them because the perinatal mood and anxiety disorders are treatable Mm-hmm. And and they're preventable as that's well. True. And so if if you know what to look for, then it's more likely that you you'll be fine. You know, you'll recover. Yeah. Um, so what would be the difference between baby blues and depression is or a mood disorder? Would you say is the time frame itself or the severity or the combination of the two? It's the the timing, the severity and the um, what's the last one with like the length? The, yeah. the duration, They're the right. timing, the duration, and the severity. So again, baby blues is, I wouldn't, I would even say, honestly, after those two weeks, then you might need to check in. Mm-hmm. But technically, I guess they give you two to six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the baby blues is more so like you, you're feeling sad because again, you're adjusting to this new life, but you're still able to find joy in some things. Like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, my baby did this. Like this was the first time that, mm-hmm. that my baby did this. So I'm, I'm happy about that. With the postpartum depression, I'm, I really can't find any joy in anything. Mm-hmm. I'm, I can't, it's hard for me to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. I'm fatigued. I'm not eating. Um, I'm I'm either sleeping all the time or I'm not sleeping enough, which is a little tricky because you just had a baby. And yeah. we all know that we're sleep deprived. Yeah. But um, there's just some minor things. And that's a, another thing that Whitney and I are trying to expand into is having workshops for both mom and partners, because the partners need to know these signs as well so that they can be aware and they can notice like, OK, She's been sleeping a lot lately. You know, this yeah. this might be something that I need to to pay a little bit more attention to. Um, and then so the severity, the the duration, um, and the time and like the onset of it. So what I love about your organization is that you 
focus on people who look like us, because that's huge, the, the cultural competency. And you see a gap in, um, in us getting the help. And based off of your research or just what you've seen in the community, do you have an idea why there is such a gap in, in us being diagnosed and treating or even seeking help? Is it cultural? Um, when I was doing some research, our symptoms are usually more physical. So mm-hmm. when they did research upon Black moms, Black and Hispanic moms who had recently had a baby within their first year, when they expressed their symptoms, they were more physical. So mm-hmm. it was more like fatigue, headache, um, dizziness, like those mm-hmm. physical symptoms, not being able to eat, um, stomach issues, which is related to anxiety. Um, so a lot of times when we go to our providers and describe these symptoms, they're physical. So yeah. people don't often look for physical symptoms. When you're talking about postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, that's another big issue. And another issue is finding providers that are actually trained in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders and knowing what to put in Google to even look. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think another thing is accessibility, Um, because if you look at in a lot of neighborhoods or at risk communities, there's not resources in those communities for those women to go like. It's like, oh, if you ask a lot of women, it's like, oh, I just go to my OBGYN. There's no resources. And also when they do go for their six week checkup, a lot of women are not being screened. Um, And so if screen is not being done accurately, especially for women of color or black Mm -hmm. women, Mm -hmm. um, if that screen is not being done correctly or if you're just handing them the screener and walking out, that's one mom that is still suffering in silence that you just left them in there and then they're walking out. And also like us not being heard. Like a lot of moms will say, I go to my OBGYN and nobody cared or nobody listened when I expressed it. Um, And then I think a lot of things is stigmas. Like, like you said, you go to a group and no one looks like you. So it's kind of like, is this a white woman's thing? Like what is this? Like, I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know anyone else around me that's feeling this way. So I feel like, There's so many different things that can impact you. Um, And then I think another thing is socioeconomic status. Like people don't understand that PMADs can affect you no matter if you got the best insurance or if you got paying Mm self-pay. So I think a lot of times women aren't even afforded, especially black women aren't even afforded the the space to even say what they're feeling. So it's just so many different factors that me and Tiffany find. But the biggest one that we've found has just been barriers and accessibility, like being able to assess find these things in your neighborhood or your community Mm -hmm. um so that's been the biggest thing that I've found yeah like Whitney so so about 30 percent of black women experience perinatal mood and anxiety disorder and 60 percent of that 30 percent do not receive services Mm -hmm. and that's because of the things that Winnie said, you know, just, I mean, the, the same, the same systemic injustices that we see that impacts us on the daily basis is the same thing that impacts us in the healthcare system, yeah. you know, affordable healthcare. If you don't have Medicaid, honey, having a baby is pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. And then therapy is not cheap either. Mm-hmm. You know, Whitney and I have put this nonprofit organization together to be able to provide affordable therapy for black women. Um, but if you don't have things like this, then <laughs> therapy is going to run you a bit of money. Yeah. And, and then it's like Whitney said, it just, I mean, this is a, a white woman's thing because we don't talk about it. We don't yeah. talk about it. We are so, we are, um, Conditioned to be strong. Yes. Condition is the word. Conditioned mm-hmm. to be super women and strong and, and, 
my mom did this. Yeah. Her, her mom did this and her mom did like, there's just a long line of strong women. And I can't be the one that says that I can't do this on my own and I need help because mm-hmm. we've done it. So for, for so long, but that's not okay. Mm-hmm. It's not okay. We need to, to tap into our resources and, and accept the support because uh, while definitely childbirth and, and raising kids is hard, we make it harder than it has to be. I agree. Yes. Um, yes. And I think another big factor me and Tiffany found is a lot of times when African-American women have went into their doctor's office and disclosed things surrounding anything under PMADS, it's that fear they're going to take my children. Mm. And feeling that I can't express myself right now because we do have a higher rate of our children being placed out of the home into foster care. There are way more African-American children in foster care than there are our white counterparts. So just think, or even if you have a history with CPS or DSS, um, just be imagine feeling that and going to your doctor and you're already maybe in a community, a community health center that does not treat you the nicest or Mm -hmm. isn't, the most um the most nice and you're going and you're feeling this way and you're scared that oh my god this is going to be communicated to my case or my baby's going to be taken away or I'm a bad mother um just things like that that you don't think about mm-hmm. um so especially things along that line mm. and i think to, again to to Whitney's point about appropriate screening um so the, another thing that we try to do is educate our our OBGYNs and our our physicians because again those screenings are simply like I've I I have a daughter Mm -hmm. um and so I can't even recall ever seeing a screening but I do recall the nurse asking me questions but it's solely around uh depression like do you feel Mm -hmm. sad um do you feel like you want to harm yourself or that you want to harm your baby and again so I didn't realize until after Whitney and I went to that training that I was experiencing postpartum anxiety. Mm -hmm. So none of those things fit me. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, no, but I knew something wasn't right. Mm -hmm. But I just, I mean, now, now I don't know where to go to get help because whatever, what you said should be wrong or could possibly wrong is not what's wrong. So Mm -hmm. what is this? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think we we also have to shift their their culture as well because it's not just depression. Like I went to the doctor today and and um I had a midwife who I really enjoyed. She was really good. Uh and and she did get more in depth, but her her initial question was, Do you have a history of depression? And I said, No, but I did experience, you know, anxiety. And so then we got into that conversation. But I I wonder. But to had I just a said woman no. wouldn't know to act to say that. Yeah, yeah. no, that's what I'm saying. I wonder had I just said no, will we have moved forward? You yeah. know, and the mental health in the black community. We, even though me and Tiffany are here and all the other black therapists, when I do my research and before I got into therapy, um, mental health wasn't always on our side being black people. Mm-hmm. So there were so many tests done on us. We would meet with psychologists and they were just using our information because we wasn't we were not seen as equal when it came to mental health. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of that stuff over the years transferred into don't Mm -hmm. talk to nobody, don't do this, don't do that. And when you look back, there's always been mental health issues in our families, but people just look looked beyond it. Like my mom, I can remember my mom telling me something traumatic happened to her grandma. And I was like, well, what did y'all do? And she was like, we, I mean, we just, we brought her back home and 
I was like, but mom, like there should have been help. So mm-hmm. just thinking about all these years, like it wasn't even accessible to us. Like yeah. now therapy is still a luxury. So I could only imagine what it looked like years and years ago when you probably couldn't even find a black provider to even see you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the studies and tests that was done on us. So it's probably just systematically, like Tiff said, just yeah. so many factors. It's like, how can how can you not have some type of mental health challenge? So what mm-hmm. we've learned through research is that DNA travels through generations and mm. generations and generations. Yep. So when our ancestors were enslaved mm-hmm. and they were experiencing those inhumane traumas, mm-hmm. that was in their DNA. Mm-hmm. Then they birthed their children. Mm-hmm. That was in their DNA. And then they birthed their children. And then here we are. So mm-hmm. it is like, duh. Yeah. Like, of course we have these, this inner intergenerational mm-hmm. trauma floating through our DNA like this is not I feel like well you know when people talk about um you know reparations and this that should be a part of it because yes. we need to unpack and unheal these things just because I wasn't a slave or my grandmother wasn't enslaved or her mother wasn't enslaved does not mean that I'm not still impacted by those traumas and so it makes me so angry when people like that was 400 years ago <laughs> but that is still in my DNA. Mm-hmm. You know, these are there. There are things that my ancestors experienced that they are carrying with them in their body, and that's what we tell our moms too. The the trauma that you experienced, and when when your child is in utero, they are getting that too. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, um, a couple of things that a couple of things. So not only are we experiencing our ancestors like traumas, like we've it's part of our DNA, but just these past few weeks, I've realized how the mental gymnastics that we have to do to to stay somewhat whole as Black people in this country, we don't even realize it. Like the things that we have to constantly be thinking about and constantly be on so that we're semi-safe. You know what I mean? That in itself has such an impact on our, our mental wellness and our mental health. And it's just not normal like for humans to have to do so much even today I was like having a talk with my husband I just broke down just like the littlest things I'll say the backstory we're trying to clean out our, our garage right we have a ton of boxes that they're not going to take it all um the garage the garbage people won't take it all right so I'm gonna like, say how about we just go drop it off at your job's dumpster he's like yeah I'm like you know what I don't want to do it now let's go later tonight and he's just like uh no I'm just like, why? Let's put the kids to bed and we'll just drop it off real quick. He's just like, come on, two black people at a, a dumpster. I'm not trying to have those problems. But it's like, you're absolutely right. Like, you always have to be thinking about the next thing. And not everybody has that experience. And <sighs> like, we tired. Like, as a community, uh-huh. we just tired. I mean, I think it starts so young, like seeing like my godson, like he's only seven. <laughs> But like seeing him now, like how he has to adjust to different groups when he's at school, when he's with our family, like it starts so young with little with with children, you know, like not being always not having to have innocence and having to understand that I'm black and I'm only five and not in a positive way. Like I'm black and I'm proud, but someone pointing it out and making it something negative. So I think that that starts so young. And other cultures don't understand that we are constantly programmed, even as babies, Mm -hmm. toddlers, elementary, middle, to understand I'm black and Mm -hmm. this I'm 
this is I have to switch it on and off or just work just being in the world and experiencing things different and perception and it's a lot that we experience even as a small child like how they view race in the world so there was a meme going around on um, social media just asking like when was the first time you experienced racism and I remember being in elementary school mm-hmm. I mean that's young yep mm-hmm. that's young I, we were on the playground and a little white boy called me the n-word yep. um and I mean if that kids learn through play and through social interactions Mm -hmm. so where he get that from you know like you like you said you have to model these these respectful behaviors you know you have to do these things in your house in order to raise these kids that are being respectful so I think that was a a good point it's so true because Nickelodeon did the eight minutes for George Floyd like they Every like, I think they did it once a day and they would cut off everything and just talk about, you know, racism on a child's level. And a mom became upset and was like, my child shouldn't have to sit through eight minutes of Nickelodeon talking to the kids about racism. Because even though your son may not experience this, there are little black children who come encounter with racism and are shot down at a young age just because of how they look or they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. So don't say my child should not have to hear because Nickelodeon was running this eight minute commercial and be so upset and say he's too innocent, he's too young. We all need to be having the conversation with our children Mm-hmm. about race and culture but mm-hmm. we have to have the conversation so much earlier because you have white privilege and you don't like you mm-hmm. you don't have to have that conversation often mm-hmm. um so Which yeah creates the problem because you don't have that conversation exactly. period <laughs> yeah. that's that's where it creates the problem and, and as far as i'm concerned that woman is 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 a bigot and or raising one, because if you don't address it then things will fester and turn to other things and why are you so upset about this too mm-hmm. like I don't get it. I just, I just don't understand. Um, and you mentioned um, about how when you're pregnant, you're also, um, whatever you're experiencing, essentially the baby's experiencing too. So my heart goes out to women who are pregnant right now. Not only do we have COVID, um, the social distancing and all the anxiety that that, that brings and, and also the, the social, political stuff that's going on any tips for the mamas right now? Because I don't know. That's that's, that's a lot to navigate. <laughs> it is a lot to navigate. Um, I think it's it's important that we know that while we we need we we desire to like be up to date on information and things that are occurring, we have to unplug. We have to we have to give ourselves some time to to not ingest what's going on. It's gonna be there. You know, this is not going, it's been there. It's going to be there. It's not going anywhere. Um, go outside, get some fresh air. I think we underestimate the, the, um, the benefits of sunlight mm-hmm. and, and oxygen being outside that fresh air. Um, do things that you enjoy. Find something to laugh about, you know, mm-hmm. find something to, that's going to bring you some joy. Um, what I, what I was doing initially when this first started, um, I was watching like I, I stopped watching all my shows that like came on weekly and just was like watching Martin Fresh Prince, like just things that that make me laugh. That's going to fill me with joy because stuff is heavy. Yeah, it's super, super heavy. But we have to find 
we have to find outlets. I think journaling is also a good idea. Um, you know, writing down the thoughts and the challenges that you're experiencing, um, just just getting it all out, having a place to pour it out um, and just like tapping into whatever your hobbies are. I love to read. Mm-hmm. Um, so if reading is your thing, you know, just things that that you find pleasurable. Great tips. Okay. And I think also piggybacking off of what Tiffany said is just. I think for moms that are pregnant during this time or have little ones and going through the postpartum period is understanding that you didn't ruin your birth plan. Like your birth plan is not ruined, but because we're going through this pandemic, it just has to be adjusted Mm -hmm. Um, and understand that even though those supports may not be physically there, um, we have things like Zoom and FaceTime. And I also think another great thing is this is the most wonderful time to reach out and get help. I've seen where some therapists are offering like free eight free sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen where some like we have a free postpartum group. Um, so many therapists are offering free and reduced services. So this is like that prime time. Like if you're at home and you need that break, if you just need to go sit in the car just mm-hmm. so you can tune into a postpartum group, you don't even have to say anything. But just to be able to tune in and meet with other moms who are expecting or are planning to expect or things like that, like being able to connect with community. And it doesn't have to be physically there, but it can also be just, you know, seeing someone through the screen. And I think another thing is letting go of perfectionism. Like a lot of moms feel like I got to be perfect and I got to be even more perfect because I'm in the house Mm -hmm. and I have to keep things. So letting that go. Um, and I think another thing is like setting boundaries. Just because you're at home, you deserve your time. You deserve your space. Like, don't feel that mom guilt for taking time for yourself. Don't feel guilty because you're expecting and you just need an outlet. Like, you need to be able to talk to a friend. Like, just being able to set those boundaries with people in your life, I think, is a big thing. Um, finding something new you can do in the house or in your home because we're kind of trapped and letting go of those fears of going out but it's just so many different things like you can find to do but if it does get so severe where like Tiff said like where you can't even find happiness and watching the episode of Martin like that's when you like okay maybe I can reach out and find a support or find something that can help you during this time because it's like the prime time to find that help yeah there's a lot a lot of resources have been become virtual which is but I mean it's like all accessible from your phone from your laptop your ipad whatever mm-hmm. you know so that is one good thing that that i've seen come out of this week there have been so many virtual resources that we can tap into beautiful and also yeah our moms that have experienced infertility or fertility issues just like them having that support of you know if you were expecting and your ivf appointment got set back like just being you know hopeful and finding someone that you can talk about you know with that um, it's just an awesome time right now. So how can we support you um, and all that you're doing? Uh, so I think, of course, what's holding nonprofits back is funding. Okay. <laughs> um, that is definitely something that uh, we could always use more of. Um, and, and more so, you know, outside of even the residential program, we just want to be able to reach as many Black women as we can. Uh, so sharing our social media, sharing our website, um, just being being accessible to, to any and everybody who needs this information. 
So I will have all of the information in the show notes and on the website. So you guys, please click and please donate as well. So show up and um, show out. Open up your purses. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, ladies, so, so much. I am so appreciative. Um, I'm just so happy to speak to you guys. You guys had so many gems. You guys dropped a lot of knowledge and I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Um, Thank Thank you so much. We enjoyed it. I had a good time. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Be Well Sis podcast. For more information on anything discussed in this episode, please see the show notes and or visit www.bewellsispodcast.com. Oh, and don't forget to leave a five-star rating on Apple. Until next time, be well, sis.